listening to First Church Charlotte. chapter number 16 let's read at verse number four but when they looked up they saw that the stone had been rolled away for it was very large i like that and entering the tomb they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed and he said to them do not be alarmed you see jesus of nazareth who was crucified he is risen exclamation mark you have to read the exclamation mark right there because it's awesome say it with me he is risen exclamation mark he is not here see the place where they laid him all right that's for you now i have a mission for you having seen yourself but go tell his disciples and that good-for-nothing scoundrel Peter. No, that's not in there. Go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. Jesus is always going before you. Don't have time to preach that. There will you will see him as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb for they trembled and were amazed and they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Why the resurrection matters, the significance of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not even Easter, but I'm excited to be teaching and preaching on the resurrection because today is Yom Kippur in the Jewish faith. Today is the day of atonement in the Jewish faith. So had you been in uh, Israel today, uh, one of the, the pastor friends that I recently made who pastors in Israel posted pictures today of the roads in Israel. There are no cars anywhere on the roads. They are completely empty because on Yom Kippur, they do not drive. They do not use their vehicles. They are celebrating the Day of Atonement. So all the way across the ocean, across the Mediterranean, across the Atlantic, the stormy Atlantic this time of the year, in Charlotte, North Carolina, I want to join them in celebrating the Day of Atonement. And I want to tell you on this Day of Atonement, the significance of the resurrection. Somebody say, I'm going to hear it. God bless you. You may be seated. All righty. I'm in a good mood tonight. That usually means I sing a song, uh, but I don't have any songs prepared to sing. And he's running as fast as he can because he knows I have not prepared any songs uh, to sing. And yet there's a song in my heart. Uh, maybe we could sing that song, uh, He's Alive. He's alive with all power in his hand. They tried to sing it, but they didn't do as good as me. You see what I'm saying? Heroes in glory with all power, authority, he conquered and put them under under my feet. Hero. Mm, 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 mm. That's the song. And authority. Don't say anything. My enemies put them under my feet. All right, 
let's get to the study. My brother's giving me the serious look, so let's get to the study here. Uh, it is important for you to have a ready answer on why the resurrection changed everything about human religion. You need to have an answer. You see, you don't have to understand all 17 curses in the 7th chapter and the 6th verse of Deuteronomy. All of that uh, is, yes, scholarly things. But when it comes to the resurrection, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is our hope. You need to have a quick answer on how the resurrection changed Christianity from just simply being a successful world religion to a world religion with a testimony of the divine stamped upon it. The reason why Christianity is unique in this regard is because we don't have the tomb of a founder that we go and revere. We have an empty tomb. And we have the testimony of hundreds of witnesses that he was no longer in the tomb, but he is risen just as he promised. We celebrate the resurrection because the resurrection changed everything. It's as, as, as powerful and as profound as the crucifixion was in the redemption of our sinful selves and the covering of our imperfect hearts and the washing of regeneration where our goodness, which I should say the lack of our goodness, is actually covered by the perfect sinless uh, covering of the blood of Jesus. As, as powerful as that is... I want to remind you that many religions, all religions practically have martyrs who gave their life because of a strong belief that they had. But Christianity is unique in that the temple was destroyed, but that's not the end of the story. Three days later, he came out of the tomb. The resurrection is the power of the Christian testimony, and we celebrate the resurrection because it truly is the foundation of Christianity. This isn't my opinion. This isn't something Pastor Nate thought up after he got done pretending he was playing the guitar and as like he could sing really good. No, this is something the Apostle Paul established as foundational. This is something the Apostle Peter established as foundation. This is something the author of the book of Hebrews established as part and parcel of Christian systematic theology. All of them are strong on this uniqueness of the resurrection. Let me tell you what Paul said. He says in his first letter to the church in Corinth, he says, look, if there is no resurrection, then Christianity is an elaborate hoax. That's, that's basically using my vernacular what he says in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. If there is no resurrection, we are all of us wasting our time. In fact, Professor Thomas uh, Arnold of, of, of Rugby, uh, a world-renowned historian, once said in 1939, as a matter of fact, Christ's resurrection from the dead is the best attested. He's speaking of witnesses. Historical events that has witnesses. It is the best attested fact in human history. We have more historical documents. We have more historical witnesses than any other of the events of antiquity upon which we build our histories. There is significance in the resurrection. We are not simply philosophers here. We believe in the resurrection Christ. Amen. 
And so what I want you to see is the resurrection is significant, number one, because it shows that Jesus is not simply a religious teacher. He's not simply a religious philosopher. He's not simply a lecturer in religious studies. He is, by the testimony of his own mouth, the Son of God. Let me read Romans 1 and 4. Christ declared himself to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. This is Paul's statement. Jesus is not just God by our statement of faith. He is God by the evidence and witness of his resurrection from the dead. I'm here to tell you Christianity is unique because our founder, Jesus Christ, declared that his body would die and he would, by his own power, be resurrected from that tomb. And thousands of years later, we are still celebrating the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. The second important Important significance of uh, the resurrection is that Jesus' resurrection is our assurance that we have forgiveness of sins. Now, why does this matter? Uh, we often struggle with forgiving ourselves. Now, I could spend a lot of time on this, but suffice it to say, one of the most common things when people are really struggling that I as a pastor deal with is their fear that results from them wondering if their sins are truly forgiven. It seems too good to be true that our sins would be forgiven. It seems like a get out of jail free card. It seems like a story that is almost fairy tale like in its hope. It seems too good good to be true. And yet, Paul, that great first theologian of the church, established that we can know our sins are forgiven because Christ was raised from the dead. I am going to read to you 1 Corinthians 15 and 17. If Christ hath not been raised, our faith is in vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Do you see what he's saying? He is attaching your confidence that your sins are forgiven. In other words, if Christ had not been God, then he would not have conquered death, hell, and the grave. But since he did conquer, you can know that he is God. And he said that he would not leave you. He said he would be with you. He said that if you would believe upon him and call upon him and receive his cleansing, repent of your sins, be washed in his, uh, his uh, regeneration of baptism and filled with his spirit. Yes, all of these things work to fulfill his complete testimony and manifestation in your life. But if he rose from the dead, then he can do what he claimed he could do. Right. Who 
can forgive sin but God, the lawyers and the scribes said. And Jesus said, yes, your sins are forgiven. It's one thing to make a claim. It's something else to back that claim up. I'm here to tell every one of you, living in condemnation, how can you know that your sins are forgiving? Because God's the only one who can forgive sins. Jesus said he would pay your sins and he proved himself to be God. So when I say your sins are forgiven, you don't have to believe me. You have to ask yourself, is Jesus God? He's the one who said he could do it. Is If Jesus is God, you've been forgiven. If Jesus is God, you have new hope in your life. If Jesus is God, you are no longer dead in trespasses and sin. I know I'm preaching on Wednesday night. I don't even care. You just have to work with me. All right. That's number two. First, the first one is the proof that Jesus is the Son of God. Why? He conquered death, hell, and grave. The second significance is that if he is God, then we know we have forgiveness of sins because he's the one who said we would be forgiven if we obey the gospel. Third, the resurrection tells the world that the kingdom of God is ruled by a living sovereign. God's not dead. He's alive. You see, all world religions have founders. They all do. But they also all have famous graves. The founder of Islam is dead and his bones are dormant in the earth. But the founder of Christianity, uh, (laughs) even after his death, 60 years after his death, appears to John on the island of Patmos and says, I am the first, Revelations 1.17, I am the first and I am the last and the living one. Somebody say the living one. And the living one. And I was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Our God's not dead. He's alive. You ought to have the hope and the joy of that in your walk. So far, we've been talking theology. So not far, we've been talking big themes. How can we know? How can we celebrate? How can we be people of faith? How can we know our sins are forgiven? We've been talking big themes. Now I want to make it personal. What does it mean? What is the significance for you if Christ is resurrected? This next reason, number four, this next reason is this. Jesus' resurrection proves that physical death is not the end of human existence. Oh, this is kind of a big deal, my brothers and my sisters. It's kind of a big deal. We know from 1 Timothy 6 that God, who is the giver of life, 1 Timothy 6, uh, he has power to reanimate the human body. And he gave us a demonstration of the authority he had over death, hell, and the grave. And he became the first fruits, the down payment, the earnest money. How many of you know what earnest money is? Earnest money is important. Earnest money says your offer on a on a deal is not made frivolously, but you're serious about it. See, in times past, there was this problem of contracts. And that goes like this. People could make an offer, uh, and they may not be re- willing 
willing to buy or not. But when you say yes or no, they get information from you on what your asset is worth, what your house, your business, your contract is worth, your farm, your olive trees, because they know what you will sell at. Now, you've given them very important information. They now have an advantage on you, and you've got nothing in return. So business minds came up with a solution to this problem of people giving you frivolous offers that they never intended to honor and trying to get information from you. Once they have that kind of information you from you, they can then bid shop your information. If you guys, any of you guys are involved in contracting at any level, business to business, business consumer, you understand how a bid shop works. When someone bid shops you, they take your bid, then they go over to their friend and they say, do it for this. And then there's no more competition. There's no more fair bidding. You can see how the abuse of the system would happen. But they said, look, if you want to make a real contract, put down some earnest money that if you don't do, show me you're not playing games. Show me some money, honey. Sounds like my wife talking to me. Show me some money, honey. And then we'll see if I am willing to sell or not. It solved the problem of people making claims they could not back up. Because if you could show they had made a frivolous claim, you would keep the earnest money. Yeah, I'll give you some information on what I will or will not sell for. But if you're playing games, I keep the earnest money. Jesus coming out of that tomb is the earnest money. This is not my idea. This is Paul's idea. It is the earnest money to show you he can do what he says he's going to do. He's not just talking tough. He's not just making claims. He is showing you... I can bring you out of that grave, and here's the proof. I'm going to start with myself. And so Paul will write to the church at Rome, If that same spirit which raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, that same spirit will quicken your mortal body. You see, that's what the songwriter was talking about when he wrote the song, Ain't No Grave Going to Hold This body down. Some of you guys have never heard that song. You've been listening to too much highbrow church organ music. You haven't been listening to music where they put ain't in there. But it goes like this. Ain't no grave. I need a guitar. Gonna hold my body down. Ain't no grave. Gonna hold my body down. And how's the verse go? When you hear that trumpet sound, ain't no gray. I'm going to get up. I'm going to get up. Sing it, sister. You see, how, you see what I have to deal with? So this is what I want you to see. If God said he's going to bring you out, honey, the grave will not hold you. He showed he could do what he said he was going to do. Fifth, and I'm almost done if you're lucky. Fifth, the resurrection shows the ultimate victory of Chris. Oh, man, I hope you get this. This is Maybe I enjoyed this more than you. I don't even care. We're going to try again. This resurrection shows the ultimate victory of Christianity over all of its enemies. Hear me. Empires can rise and empires can 
fall. Rich men can make men money and rich men can lose money. But nobody has power over death, hell, and the grave but Jesus Christ. And when I build my life upon the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's nothing that the kingdoms of this world can do to destroy it. There's nothing that the powerful men and women of this world can do to destroy it. To live is Christ. To die is gain. God wins. That's what the resurrection says. Come what may, Christ is the ultimate victor. And so, witnesses, witnesses, really quickly, listen with your quick ears, uh, not your slow ones. Uh, here we go. He appears to Mary Magdalene. We read that here in Mark 16, also John 20. He appears to the other women that were involved in the care of his body. Uh, musicians, you can come and play a little bit. Uh, we see that in Matthew 28, and we also see here Jesus reiterating what the angel had said. And you can read that story, Matthew chapter number 20. In Mark 16, also where we are, you see two disciples walking in the country, also told in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter number 24. He also appears to Peter, and this is reported after the testimony of the two disciples that we're referring to in Luke 24. Um, he mentions, uh, this is also mentioned by Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 of the Lord appearing to, to Peter. Um, when the when Thomas wasn't there, Jesus first appears to uh, the disciples. He isn't there. We read about that here, Mark chapter number 16. It's also told in Luke chapter number 24. Um, and he then appears to the apostles again when Thomas is there. This happens a week later. You can read about it in John chapter number 20. This is where also mentioned by Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. He appears to seven disciples by the Sea of Galilee, including Peter and Thomas and Nathaniel and James and John. Read about it, John chapter number 21. They are fishing together when he appears to them and then they eat together because the Lord prepares food for them. Again, John chapter number 21. Then at one time, we know of a large a large group of people that he appeared to. Uh, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 talks about up to 500 people saw him alive after his passion. Some of whom did not previously believe, but became disciples after that. You can read references of that of John 7, verse 5, also Acts 1, chapter number 14. He also appeared to the disciples in another uh, place where he makes a commission to them, uh, told about in Luke chapter number 24. Also, he appears in Jerusalem right before his ascension in Acts chapter number 1. And those who were there, is the story is recorded here in Mark chapter number 16, also Luke chapter number 24, and as I mentioned earlier, Acts chapter number 1. It is not as though there was just one or two people. There have been, uh, there have been religions founded where uh, someone uh, claimed to see something. I'm thinking of the founding of even, even um, I believe it's uh, uh, Jehovah's Witness.
Genesis where uh, an angel appears to one person and then he gives them scrolls, tells them to bury scrolls, but they're like invisible and the other people can't see them. I I want you to see the difference in that and how Jesus appeared. Jesus appeared to literally hundreds of people. Now that's one thing. Here is the important thing. Not one of these hundreds of people changed their stories when persecuted. Okay, let's say me and you make up a story. Here's going to be the story. Pastor Nate can sure sing. That's the story we're going to make up. Okay? Y'all going to work with me on that? Thank you very much. We're going to lie about it. We're going to say, Pastor Nate can sure sing. You're going to walk out of here? You're going to lie about it. Up until the moment someone pulls out a gun and sticks it to your head. And you're going to be like, I'm just making that stuff up. (laughs) Why die for a lie? Why die for something you just agreed to make up on? It would have been one thing if these hundreds of people had changed their story. Think of the enemies that the early church had, whether they were of the Jewish faith, whether they were of the empire, whether they are the, 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 the other Jewish mystic religions, such as the Essenes, or those who built more upon the Apocrypha than the Torah. Think of all the enemies. Think of the Sanhedrin Council. Think of Pilate. Think of the cares of Rome. All of those enemies. Think how damaging it would have been if they would have gotten one person to change their story. They tried. They threatened to kill them. They threatened to burn them alive. They persecuted them under Nero. They brought the Christians in. They fed them to lions. They burned them alive. All of these horrible things. But every time they gave them an opportunity to change their story. Not one. Okay, so your unbelieving friend can talk about how myths get started, and we would agree with them. Myths do get started. And stories get a life of their own. Yes, they do. But how many of those stories do you get the people who were there and you sit them down and say, if this, if you don't change your story, we're going to kill you? That's the difference in Christianity. Hundreds of people saw him alive after his death, and not one of them changed their story when they threatened to crucify him they didn't change their story when they threatened to kill them history says they died singing so even their death became a testimony this is what I want you to see the resurrection of Christ is not just some mythic story dreamt up as a fairy tale adopted by superstitious people and then proffered for your listening pleasure It was built upon bloody testimony of people who saw him after his resurrection. Not all of them were believers before they saw him, but they became believers. And then when they were threatened by Rome, when they had to die for what they believed, they did not change their story. Do you know that the synagogues in that part of the world, um, all through the Middle East, they had the right of punishing their own? They could sentence their own discontents to uh, 39 stripes. This is why Paul says five times I was beaten with 39 stripes. How did it happen? Paul was beaten because he would preach Jesus and they would say, no, you are tearing down the law of Moses. And he would preach Jesus and they would say, if you don't, within two weeks, everywhere Paul goes, the the synagogue is uh, trying to kill the guy. Or, or Five times within their own legal structure, they 
they sentenced Paul to 39 stripes. You think you're persecuted when people make fun of you at work? All he would have had to do was back down on the gospel that included salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All he would have had to do was Jesus was a great teacher, but the law of Moses is really where it's at. He was beaten five times, nearly to death, because he wouldn't stop preaching Jesus. All of these Christians received persecution, not just from the Roman Empire, not just from the Sanhedrin, but from their own synagogues. And not one of them changed their story. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything. You don't know why I'm a believer today? I didn't see him myself. I feel him in my heart through faith, but I didn't see him myself. But that early church that paid in blood showed that they had seen him alive. And they were willing to stand on it. And they paid the price for it. And today, you can be assured in your spirit that the resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything. That's what Mark chapter number 16 is all about. Jesus changed it all. Let's stand together right now. Would you lift your hands all across this house? Lord Jesus, I want to praise you for your victory over death and the grave. Listen to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704 445 5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.